This is a Shock Podcast. Shock. Hello and welcome to the Podball Sportscast, the podcast that's back from the Chinese New Year break and asking, how does this go again? It's been a while. I am Faisal American who was disappointed that these next two people were not replaced in the January transfer window. Of course, I'm referring to Nicholas John. Hello, hello. Who's valued at around £15 million. And I mean the weight, not the currency. <laughs> <laughs> also, there is Karami Kamel. What's happening, guys? Who's available for transfer for a pack of nasi lemak. <laughs> the January transfer window ended recently, and uh, we'll talk about some uh, notable movements. But first, uh, Everton appointed Frank Lampard as their new manager. He replaced uh, Rafa Benitez. Uh, guys, uh, Lampard did a fairly decent job at Derby, and uh, he wasn't experienced enough when he took charge at Chelsea. Now he's at Everton. What do you guys think? I think Lampard to Everton is the move that he should have taken initially before joining Chelsea. You know, uh, Like you mentioned, he did a good job at Derby. But the natural progression was then to move on to a club like Everton. You know, Not too big, plenty of opportunity for you to, to learn and gain experience and all that. But instead, he joined Chelsea, where as we know now, it was too big a club. Uh, too big a job for him at that early stage of his uh, managerial career. So the Everton job looks more like something he can handle. Uh, I- I'm not saying that Lampard can't ever manage a big club. I'm just saying that for a, a relatively fresh manager, a club like Everton is a good place for him to to cut his teeth, so to speak. Yeah, I agree with Nick because uh, with Everton, I think Lampard has the has the chance to at least implement his plans, his two or three year plan that he tried to do with Chelsea because a big club like Chelsea, they 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 wanted the the plan, but at the same time they need to win trophies. So I don't think Lampard was quite cut out for that job. So I'm pretty sure I'm praying that he's do he'll he'll do a great job at at, Everton, at Everton and maybe just bring up another a few other young players uh, like he did at Chelsea with Mason Mount and a few other names. Can he do a good job though? I mean, um, Everton did have Carlo Ancelotti in charge. He's one of the best coaches in the world, and he couldn't take him any higher. Well, the problem with Ancelotti, I think I th- I thought that he had laid down a a three- or four-year plan for Everton. But uh, one year into that plan, Real Madrid came calling and he bounced and left Everton hanging. So I think that was the reason why Everton could not finish that higher in, in the league. Before this, uh, Lampard was linked with every single managerial opening in the Premier League, right? There was uh, Norwich, Newcastle, Aston Villa. He was becoming the new Sam Allardyce, right? I mean, every time a manager gets sacked, some lazy sports writer is just going to put his name just to meet his deadline, right? <laughs> but but that's, that's generally how the British press works. But I, I think it also goes to show the the, the potential that, that Lampard has. And like we've always said, you know, he, he did a good job at, at uh, Derby. And to be fair, he also did a pretty good job in, in the early days when he was at Chelsea. So there's a lot of potential there. And I think a, a lot of clubs still think 
highly of him. That that's why you know they 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 are, they are still uh, interested in in whenever there's a vacancy that comes up. One good thing about Lampard's arrival, uh, his name alone was enough to help Everton bring in some interesting signings in January. They got uh, Delhi Ali on a permanent transfer from uh, Spurs, as well as Donny Van Der Beek on loan from Man United. Good bit of business. Uh on paper, yes, but it's we have yet to see on the pitch, right? Because after after Mauricio Pochettino, Delhi Ali's career has been going downward since then. Uh he has played under Mourinho, under Nuno Santo, and he could not get his form back like he did when 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 Pochettino when Pochettino was managing Spurs. So the good sign is that Ali and Lampard has this personal relationship. They know each other well, and I think uh, Ali knows how Lampard's favorite favorite tactics is. Uh, those kind of things. And about Donny Van Der Beek, oh, I'll leave that to Nick. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, okay. The thing about Van Der Beek is that. He did a fantastic job at Ajax before he joined uh, United, right? Just like Ali, you know, he 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 was doing very well under Pochettino, and and then kind of like, like like went downhill after that. So the important thing is we've got two players here who are very desperate and very hungry to prove uh, that they still have what it takes to make it in the EPL. So it, it's this hunger, I think that uh, that that could work in their favor. You know, it's always good to have players. Who've, who 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 have something to prove at the club because they're the ones who are going to work harder, try harder, and 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 it 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 could work out. It could work out. Van der Beek wasn't United's only departure in January. They also offloaded uh, Axel Tuanzeb, Anthony Martial, and uh, Ahmad Diallo all on loan. Uh, all were pretty much dead weights, right? <laughs> yeah. Arsenal also offloaded more than a few players. Uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Yad Kolanisaj, Callum Chambers, Pablo Mari and uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. This is an interesting one, guys. I read that uh, Arsenal now have something like 20 senior players left until the end of the season. So if there's an injury crisis or another COVID outbreak, things are going to get ugly. And I mean myself looking in the mirror ugly. <laughs> Uh yes, but it's 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 not a good sign for Arsenal like uh, like you said Faisal, but knowing Arsenal for the last 10 or 15 years, they've always managed to bring up young players to the team, to the squad, and we can see the core changing in Arsenal uh currently with Emil Smith-Rowe, uh, Bukayo Saka in the lineup, uh, Gabriel Martinelli. So God forbid uh, that another COVID outbreak happens in the Arsenal camp. I'm pretty sure that Mikel Arteta is is going to bring up some uh, more kids to to his uh, to his first team. Also, Aston Villa signed uh, Lucas Dean and uh, Philippe Coutinho. Liverpool snapped up Porto forward Luis Diaz. Newcastle signed the likes of Bruno Grimares. Chris Wood and Kieran Trippier. As for Tottenham, they signed a Juventus duo Rodrigo Betancourt and Dejan Kulusevski. They also shipped out Giovanni Lo Celso, Tangi and Dombele, and as we mentioned earlier, Dele Ali. Uh, back to Manchester United, guys. Um, Ed Woodward officially stepped down as their executive director after nearly a decade on the job. 
during his reign, United spent more than a billion pounds on players. And uh, let's face it, not all were gold. Uh, for every Zlatan or Edinson Cavani, there were also the likes of Angel de Maria, Radamel Falcao, Alexis Sanchez and Victor Valdez. Uh, not names that you want to remember. A, a lot of people blamed Woodward for United's downfall. And I have two questions for you. One, is that blame justified? And two, how happy are you that Woodward is now gone? Well, the blame, it has to be justified, right? For all the reasons that you just described earlier. Uh, But look, Woodward is one of the most maligned figures at Old Trafford, especially among the supporters. So if you ask me as a supporter, I'm actually quite happy to see him him leave. Uh, This is a guy who's got a background in investment banking. And when he first came to United, he was handling the commercial side of things before being, being promoted to executive vice chairman. So... From a commercial point of view, you can't deny, like, you know, United have succeeded in becoming this this giant global brand. You know, everyone in all corners of the world know who Manchester United are. But when he got promoted to actually running the club as a whole, that's when things started going south. So he's a businessman. He's familiar with the numbers, the dollars and cents and all that. But ask the supporters and they'll tell you that he knows next to nothing about football or, or how to, to actually achieve success on the pitch, you know. And the clearest evidence of this is, like you mentioned, the signings that he pushed for, you know, the ones you mentioned earlier. Uh, Some actually were good signings, like Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes and all that, but others were just absolute uh, disasters. So Woodward, yeah, he may be a good businessman. He, He may have done a great job on the commercial side of things, but he's not a good football man so to speak you know and and, and I, I think yeah the, the, the time's right for him to to, to, to leave yeah, I, I agree with Nick but besides bringing all those players that you've mentioned Faisal we need to focus on the players that he gave con- new contract you know uh, the, the likes of Juan Mata Phil Jones Yes, Phil Jones is still playing for United. <laughs> so these players are giving like massive, massive contracts, like hundred thousands of pounds of wages weekly. And they are not even playing enough football to stay at United. So by doing that, I think uh, there were reports saying that the, the harmony in the United team was was not that great. You know, players are really on edge because of why is he... I think because like, let's say Phil Jones, like he's 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 getting what 150, 140k a week. So why is Phil Jones being paid more than me when he's not even playing for two years? So those kind of <laughs> those kind of situations are not good for for the squad. Said the guy who's missed the most of Podball episodes. <laughs> <laughs> burn, baby, burn. <laughs> Okay, replacing Woodward is another accountant, uh, Richard Arnold. He becomes their CEO, so uh, I'm not sure. I expect more of the same, eh, guys. Uh, happening this weekend, we have the uh, FA Cup fourth round. Also, the Africa Cup of Nations final between uh, Senegal and Egypt is happening. A showdown between Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah. Next. Next. Also happening uh, recently, uh, Lee Mengyan uh, announced that uh, she's quitting BAM to turn pro. The latest player to do so, Karam, what do you think? Uh, yes, um, I'm not sure whether she's turning pro or not because in an interview with Astro Arena, she did mention that she wanted to take a break uh, this month, February, for a month. And she'll try to plan things out. Uh, if things do go well for her, she's going to go 
pro uh, in March or she's actually contemplating to retire at the age of 29, I think. Uh, and the reason that she left BAM was because she said she was too tired. After Chao Mei Kwan decided to hang up her racket after the Olympics, I think uh, Meng Yen did say that the pressure was was really intense on her because she is one of the senior players in BAM and I don't think she was comfortable with that. So that's why she decided to, to leave BAM. And to make things interesting, I think she did say that she gave the resignation letter to BAM first, then Zija. So yeah, that's the story. Interesting. Finally, uh, just a quick word in the Australian Tennis Open. This is definitely one for the history books and uh, not only because of the whole Djokovic debacle. We've done that to death. We're not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> Ashley Barty won the uh, women's title, the first Australian woman to do so in decades. Meanwhile, Rafa Nadal claimed his 21st Grand Slam title. I'm actually glad to see that the whole Djokovic fiasco didn't end up overshadowing the tournament, you know, because for a while there, it seemed like that that was all everyone was talking about. Um, so to finally see the tennis do the do the talking, so to speak, you know, it was quite refreshing. And and like you mentioned, you know, the home crowd got a massive rush seeing Ash Barty win the women's title. Uh, don't forget also Kyrgios took the men's doubles title. Uh, and then of course, you know, fan favorite Nadal with his his twenty uh, first. Uh, Grand Slam title. So there were a lot of positives uh, in the end. Another one of which is also uh, Daniil Medvedev, you know, showing once again that he's most likely the successor to to one of the top three of, of uh, Nadal, Federer and Djokovic. So it was a very nice ending uh, to the Aussie Open, thankfully. Speaking of nice endings, we've also come to a nice end. How's that for a segue? That has been another edition of the Podball Sportscast. Thanks for tuning in. We love you guys. I'm Faisal Merikan. I'm Karami Kamil. And I'm Nicholas John. Goodbye.